0: Well, good morning again. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce the speaker for our morning address, James S. Gilmore III. Mr. Gilmore served as the chief prosecutor of Henrico County, Virginia, Attorney General of Virginia, and the 68th governor of Virginia from 1998 to 2002. A governor who holds a special place in my heart for that who is the governor when I first moved and became a Virginian. He was also the chairman of the Air Force Academy Board of Visitors from 2003 to 2006, chairman of the Republican National Committee from 2001 to 2002, and chaired a congressional panel to assess America's ability to respond to a terrorist attack, which became known as the Gilmore Commission. Mr. Gilmore is currently a member of the Board of Directors of the National Rifle Association, president of the Free Congress Foundation, which offers bipartisan conservative solutions to economic challenges facing America, and last but certainly not least, Republican presidential candidate in the 2016 cycle. Mr. Gilmore is a veteran of the U.S. Army and a graduate from the University of Virginia and the UVA School of Law. Thank you very much, and uh, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Governor Jim Gilmore.
1: Thank you very much. It's good enough for Rubio. It's good enough for me. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you here today uh, about immigration reform. Uh, It's a critical problem that affects our economy, our national security, and our personal freedom. Our country has been struggling for decades to find the best way to handle the multitudes of people who yearn to come to America to be free, to work, and to support their families. The various attempts have failed because they proposed short-term solutions that either proved wrong or ignored our duties to our own citizens. We as a nation, should be working towards an immigration system that addresses the problem of those who've come here illegally and yet doesn't discourage those who want to come here legally, as many of our ancestors did. Together we've inherited inherited a state of affairs where the issue of people who are here illegally has been ignored for so long that the numbers of illegal aliens make a perfect policy solution difficult if not impossible, yet people are a key element of our national power because we need people and because our history is that of a nation of immigrants, we should always welcome those who come here legally who want to become citizens, join our culture, help serve and protect our nation and our constitutional system of government. As a candidate, for the Republican nomination for president, it's incumbent on me to state my own concrete proposals to solve these problems and to listen carefully to the will of the people. I begin with a proposition that our primary duty is to keep Americans safe and prosperous. I'm convinced that this can be done while also maintaining our nation's ability to welcome those who are determined to gain their freedom from oppression and persecution and poverty. Let's also be clear that the issue of immigration policy is a part, just a part, of the principal challenges that I'm addressing as a candidate for president. I am committed to restoring the economy of the United States. We need a robust growth of jobs and opportunity in an economy that has never recovered from the Great Recession. I have a specific plan called the Growth Code, which has been published since 2010, which relies on our free market principles to encourage investment and to liberate our people from overtaxation. The second key issue facing our nation is the international crisis that presents new threats to us from a resurgent Russia, resurgent Russian imperialism, Chinese ambitions of domination. In Iran that is determined to obtain nuclear weapons and threaten its neighbors, and the complete dissolution of the Middle East, which has spawned an international guerrilla war. As Governor of Virginia, I have addressed these domestic issues, as well as the experience of being Governor during the 9-11 attack. As Chairman of the National Commission on Homeland Security and Terrorism, I have helped shape the American response to those challenges. As a United States Army veteran during the Cold War assigned to NATO, I have an understanding of the necessity of restoring our military and of the necessity of not pulling back from the world. President Obama has through his actions and sometimes his inactions made the state of our nation worse. His neglect of real solutions of the illegal immigration issue affects our economy our national security, and our personal freedoms. A nation that doesn't enforce its borders and immigration laws cannot claim to be a nation. The biggest problem is the President's disregard of our Constitution by his illegal use of the executive order to suspend our immigration laws unilaterally. Now, mass deportation is not the answer. But addressing the issue through misuse of the executive order undermines the rule of law, which is the basis of our constitutional government. President Obama has, in effect, pronounced an open border policy. The result, of course, has been a flooding tide, a flood tide of illegal immigration. As a candidate for president, I've offered a specific plan, which I will take to the Congress and to the American people when I'm elected the president. First, we have to address the tough issue. I do not support mass deportation of people who've been here for years working, building families, and obeying our laws. However, it's time for illegal immigrants to register as such and obtain a work permit. I do not favor an amnesty that will result in a path to citizenship. That path must be reserved For those who obeyed our immigration laws, this solution that I've offered is necessitated by the problem that we've inherited by past inaction of our national leaders that have led to this state of affairs. Second, this policy cannot continue for those who enter our country illegally in the future. From a designated start date, which can be now or the date that I'm inaugurated or whatever date we choose. From that point on, we must continue to enforce our laws and our policy of deportation. We can deal with the old problem, but we can't exacerbate the new problem. Third, I do not favor changing the rules of birthright citizenship to make children born in the U.S. non-citizens. This is an attack on the 14th Amendment, and I do not support that. Down through history, countries who wish to disfavor certain people have uh, removed their citizenship so that they can single these people out, treat them differently, sometimes dreadfully. I'm just not going to go down that path. I will lead vigorously our work to secure our borders. Illegal aliens should be imprisoned for any crime that they commit here and when their sentences are served, deported immediately and never allowed to return to this country. As president, I will stop the illegal practice of creating sanctuary cities that as a matter of policy disregard the federal laws of immigration. The murder of young Catherine Steinley in California earlier this year was allegedly committed by just such an illegal immigrant in a sanctuary city. Now, there are others who want to make headlines by appearing tough on immigration, but their fake toughness doesn't reach the solution that I'm offering here today. I reject Mr. Donald Trump's idea to deport all illegal immigrants. He said that he would do this within two years, but how's he going to do that? There are between 10 and 20 million illegal immigrants in this country to accomplish that goal Trump would have to turn America into a police state with tens of thousands of police and informants prying into every household to identify, to seek, and deport our neighbors. That can't be the solution. That is not America. That's not how a free society should work. I also disagree with Mr. Trump's anti-constitutional condemnation of birthright citizenship. While I don't support the abuse of this right, by people coming to this country expecting children and seeking citizenship for them, I believe that this can be addressed without attacking our constitutional rights. Protecting our citizens has got to be our first priority, and that means all of our citizens. This outrageous proposal by Donald Trump advocating the repeal or reinterpretation of birthright citizenship in America is wrongheaded and shows a deplorable lack of understanding of our nation's history. The 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution was written after the Civil War to make it very clear that every person born in this country has a right to the protection of citizenship. Giving the government the right to remove citizenship or define citizenship differently from person, persons, born in, for persons born in the United States dangerously undermines American liberty. Who's next? to be deprived of citizenship, giving the government the right to remove citizenship from persons born in the United States dangerously undermines American liberty. Who's next to be deprived of citizenship? Finally, as a matter of politics, as a matter of politics, I refuse to align the Republican party with this radical doctrine. What kind of message are we sending to Americans of Latino descent? when we attack their children and say that they're not worthy of American citizenship? Can it be interpreted by them in any other way? I reject this message. It makes it impossible to win the 2016 election. I hope that it isn't already too late, frankly. But only the loudest rejection of this idea even gives us a chance to win the election in 2016. I'm gonna tell you a a quick story, just apart from my text for just a minute. Several years ago, I was invited to address a community college group that was coming to Washington and they wanted me to come in and and speak to them about American citizenship and the Republican Party and our principles of free markets and liberty, in which I did, and I went into that room. There were about 15 college-age students there from California, and about all of them were Latino descent with the exception of one very bright young African-American woman. Everybody else was Latino descent. And when I was done talking about our free market principles and our ideas and concepts of American liberty and our constitutional way of government, when it was all done, one young lady raised her hand. She was obviously from Latino descent. Her mother and father were probably illegal aliens from the base all of her body language she was giving. And she said, well, I just have a question about, uh, and I said, okay, I'll answer your question. And she said, why do you hate us so much? I'll never forget that. I'm telling you that story here today because I'll never forget that. doesn't matter what I said to them about American liberty and free market principles and constitutional government. What people of Latino descent in America often hear today is that we hate them so much. How can we ever expect them to vote for us and give us the gift of government when we send that kind of message? And we are sending that message right now loud and clear and it must be rejected in the strongest possible terms. Giving the government the right to remove citizenship from persons born in the United States dangerously undermines American liberty. It sends a message to young Americans of foreign heritage, and it's the cheapest form of political pandering and political opportunism and should be soundly rejected. My proposals today address this critical issue and its common sense. No rounding up of our neighbors in the night. I reaffirm the rule of law, no sanctuary cities, and no amnesty path to citizenship. I reassert the integrity of American sovereignty, a secure border, and as a former prosecutor and attorney general, I stand for public safety, get illegal aliens who commit crimes off the streets and out of our country. Now with forward-looking conferences like this Cato Conference on Immigration Reform, I'm confident that we can lead America to resolution of this issue and liberate ourselves to address the more compelling issues, the most compelling issues, that face our nation today. Thank you very much for the chance to speak to you. And I'll answer the questions if you'd like. And the
0: governor has a few minutes uh, for some questions from the audience. So if you'd like to uh, please wait to be called on, wait for the microphone so everybody can hear you, and please announce your name and affiliation. Uh, This gentleman over here on the left, yes. My is Devin, I think this is on. Hello? My name's Devin, I'm unaffiliated, but my question is how do you propose to limit so-called birth tourism, people coming from, say, China or Mexico to have babies for the sole purpose of having them be given U.S. citizenship without giving the government the right to deprive certain persons born here of citizenship?
1: I believe there could be other solutions that can be found. I believe before visas are issued to people, and as we all know now, about 40% of the people who are here illegally have overstayed legal visas coming into this country, that more scrutiny can be done on people who are applying for those visas. You can't be perfect in this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But I think that what I'm trying to express to all of you here today is the alternative, which is the redefinition of citizenship Contrary to the history and the values of the American people, it's better to try to seek some other administrative and regulatory solutions and oversight solutions and immigration reforms and visa scrutiny in order to minimize that problem than it is to attack the Constitution of the United States. So we're faced with a tough choice. The easy answer is just simply to start to redefine citizenship and define people in different ways, and I reject it.
0: Another question? Uh, This right here in the front row please. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Sarah Brahim. I'm with the U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants. What is your position on the admission of more Syrian refugees to the United States? Thank you.
1: Yeah, the position that I've taken so far is that, up to this point, is that we should be very slow to take in Syrian immigrants. And the reason is the reason I say that is because we're not doing very well as a country in terms of offering people real opportunities. We're not really focusing on the issue that I was addressing I alluded to earlier, which is the restoration of the American economy. If we had a robust economy, we could be more humanitarian. And I think that this is a humanitarian issue as much as anything else. But the problem we've got today is that we have millions of Americans who are out of work. We have about 9 million Americans that are working part-time that want to work full-time. About 47 percent of our graduates in this country, college graduates, are forced into jobs that are not appropriate for their degrees. And now, as a matter of policy, we say that we're going to bring in tens of thousands, and some some by estimates even six-figure people from Syria, uh, when we are not in a position to really do a proper justice by our own people that are already here. So I would say two things. I want to allude back to what I, I want to refer back to what I said at the beginning of my remarks. Our number one priority has got to be to build such a robust economy that an issue like that doesn't exist. And it doesn't exist for the people of the United States who are here also. And secondly, does this not take the focus off of the real issue here, which is the international crisis that we're seeing in the Middle East, if the Bad actors in the Middle East, the Iranians, now the Russians, are in a position to completely dissolve civilized conduct, civilized society in Syria. Are we not going to continue to see a flood of everybody out of that particular country seeking asylum in other places, particularly in Europe? This past summer I was in Britain and spent time, of course, watching television, and that's all they were talking about on British television, was the immigration crisis from Syria and from the rest of the Middle East, from Libya from other parts of the, of the Middle East as well, Iraq. We are seeing here today a dissolution of the Middle East, and there are no policy solutions appropriately being offered to address this issue. Furthermore, I don't think that very many of our Republican candidates have any experience or background in it whatsoever, and I do. I have a degree in foreign policy. I'm a United States Army veteran from NATO. I chaired the National Commission on Homeland Security and Terrorism for the United States for five years, governor of the 9-11 attack, extensively traveled worldwide. These are credentials, frankly, that the other candidates for president on the Republican side just simply don't have. And I'm hopeful that I can use this type of issue to begin to address the national issues facing our country. It's a long answer, but...
0: We have time for one more question,
1: one more question. This gentleman right here. There are two more. They're really sort of desperate. Now I'm happy to, <laughs> I'm happy to, to, if you have time. My
0: name is Shaw. Even immediately conceding your superiority in foreign policy against all your opponents in the Republican primary, what exactly would you do in the Middle East today?
1: I appreciate that, and I know that I sounded a little puffery here. You know, when you're running for president, you've got to tell people that you're really <laughs> worth something, right? You've you got to do that. So I appreciate your sort of suggestion that maybe I was a little too brave in my suggestion of superiority, <laughs> which I do have. <laughs> uh, the, the direct answer is this. First of all, we have, to be, we have to provide American strength. We have to have a president who says that we're going to be involved in the world doesn't mean that we have to conquer every country, invade every country, take over every country, and nation-build every country. We've gotten too far out on a limb on that in previous administrations. But it does not mean that we should be a neo-isolationist or withdrawing type of American people. We are too powerful and too influential, and our values are too great to play that withdrawal type of a role. We have seen that suggestion made by President Obama, and we've seen it to the most extent by, by uh, Rand Paul. If you continue down those paths, we will get in a war, a big one too. And in fact, I'm not sure we're not going to based on what we're seeing right now. Second answer is I believe that the Iranian deal is a bad deal. Everybody says that. If we can possibly disengage from this deal as the new president, I would like to try to begin to move away from that because I think that it probably ensures further terrorism, greater financing, more sophisticated arms and ultimately nuclear weapons in Iran. And at that point, you're Katie, Barlador the door on a nuclear arms race in the Middle East. I would propose to restrain this by the creation of a new NATO in the Middle East. I am, to my knowledge, no, not to my knowledge, I am the only candidate who has proposed that, which is a way through American leadership, an assertion of American leadership, to join up with our natural allies in the Middle East to restrain Iran and to create some framework for the dissolution and defeat of ISIS. We now have a new issue because of our weakness. We now have invited the Russians to enter into Syria. This is an ongoing problem today, just started in the last 48 hours. It is extremely dangerous. We should have been so advised by the imperialistic attitudes in the Crimea and the Ukraine and in Georgia, which we have done nothing about, And as a result now, we have to cope with that kind of issue too. So those are the fundamental basic. Oh, and one more thing. The sequester must come off of the defense budget. Presidential leadership can move in that direction. And if the Democrats hold the defense budget hostage to further increased spending on the domestic side, we need to make that crystal clear to the American people that our national security is being held hostage by the liberal Democrats in the Congress that want to, in fact, carry out their agenda instead of the safety and security of the people of the United States. That's my answer. Maybe one more and then oh, we'll start. I mean, yeah, it's up to you, you're the we're moderator.
0: We're unfortunately out of time for this, but will you, uh, please join me in thanking uh, Jim Gilmore for his wonderful speech. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much.